Hey everyone, you are listening to another episode of Barbacoa Big Red Basketball. I'm John, and per usual, I have Will with me. Will, tell me how awesome my birthday present for you was. <laughs> it was pretty sick, brother. <laughs> if you are in a situation where you have to go to an event for Will where giving him a present is the proper <laughs> etiquette... You can't go wrong with Harry Potter shit. <laughs> you really can't. There's a lot of it. Just buy some of it and give it to me. I have so much. I don't even know what exactly I bought you, but I knew you would like it. <laughs> and I did like it, and that's all that matters. <laughs> Way to admit that you didn't even know what you were buying. <laughs> Christina gave me advice, but yeah, I was just basically trusting her, her it's opinion. It's a, it's a good thing to trust. Uh, we're sitting here. We've got our big bowls of barbacoa like it's breakfast cereal. We got our big red. Uh, none of that is We true. don't, actually. We have Diet Cokes yeah, in high school. I drank all the big red yesterday. Chris, Chris Dismuke. <laughs> He's not going to listen to the pod because he never does. Chris, we're drinking your Diet Cokes. <laughs> it would be so funny if he actually listened to this one. That would be really funny. Um, we, uh... We just started the campaign, shared it on Facebook and Twitter for our first t-shirt offering. Uh, you could get it for cheap. Uh, with shipping, it's only twenty four ninety nine. You know, that's, that's a t-shirt. It's a pretty good price. It's yeah. a good shirt. I just bought something from Represent earlier this week. Um, yeah, especially for a startup price. Yeah, so buy that t-shirt. Well, you'll see us sharing it more often. <laughs> Tweet us your photos of you wearing the t-shirt when you get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you want your ugly mug on our website. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so um, we finally are getting around to doing listener questions. We, was it, we first started asking about a couple weeks and just a lot of shit kept happening in the NBA and we just couldn't get around to the questions, but here we are now. We got a whole mess of them. <laughs> Okay, I'll let you start off since most of these questions came from your post. Okay, so we're going to start off with a question, I think, from Tyler. Tyler Owens, good friend of the podcast, good friend. Um, he said, how has the NBA, unlike Major League Baseball, successfully marketed its superstar players, and how important is that long-term to growth in the sports? So we're going to start off with a doozy of a question. <laughs> <laughs> um Tyler and I had an extensive conversation about this because I was watching baseball because the Astros were winning the World Series. And we had a conversation about how there's all these guys on the Astros and Dodgers who are A, young, B, extremely talented, and three, pretty handsome dudes. And I didn't <laughs> know who any of them were. That's how bad the MLB or Major League Baseball, they don't like you to call it, they don't like you to say the MLB. Because B, Major League Baseball, doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. But um, how they do such a bad job. Like, I, these guys should be high, household names. Like, several of the players in that series were under 25 and, like, were all-stars this year. And I just know, have no... I've, like, never even fucking heard their names before. Yeah, I mean, the... I mean, baseball just doesn't do a good job of promoting players' personalities. Like, I, the only players I know are Jose Altuve, uh, was a pitcher, Justin Verlander. Yeah. And the big old swinging dick. <laughs> and the racist guy. I don't know, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Yuli Gurriel is his name. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Like, I don't, like, and I only know them because everybody talks about how good they are. Like, there's no one that I would recognize based on 
personality or by like a like was it available like social availability like tv availability like i i don't i don't see them anywhere i don't like know who's good at tweeting or social media posting yeah. unlike in the nba where like you know that like players are very open to like voicing their own opinions and even if they're just like attention getters trying to be funny like you love them too you love joel Embiid. yeah you, i mean andre Iguodala's can be really funny um i mean it's it's just it's just weird to see that I, I mean I think that I think that's it like I think that it would be a whole lot better if their social media pre- presence was much better managed because I I, I don't know are there, are there any good tweeters in baseball I have, I mean, no, I have clue. no idea um it's funny that you mentioned those three guys on the Astros and those none of those guys are the ones who won World Series MVP George Springer won World Series MVP yeah yeah and he's he's the guy who's on the famous Sports Illustrated cover that said the Astros are going to win the World Series he's that guy he was the rookie that year yeah and he's like I, I hate to keep going back to this it seems like I'm being foolish but he's a really he's a really handsome dude Just Google a picture of him yeah and he has a really interesting backstory his dad is Panamanian and his mom is Puerto Rican. He's an attractive guy. He's well-spoken. He's funny. And he's a great athlete. And he won World Series MVP. And, like, he's not even a household name among people who don't like baseball in Houston. Like, that's It's ridiculous to me. Yeah, and, I mean, it's that, like, not really showing their personality as much. And I think it's just hard. And I don't know how to fix this, but I think it's just hard in baseball because... Players in the NBA, like, they have a style to how they play. And in baseball, the goal is the same every single time. Like, there's no, like, you can be, you can be like, I, I, I don't know, really, I'm not really sure. You can be a good passer like Lonzo Ball. You can be a good passer like Ben Simmons. You could be a good passer like Nikola Jokic. And in baseball, the goal is the same. Just hit the fucking ball when it comes to you. <laughs> I don't really know how to diversify that. Um, I think I think baseball fans will tell us that we're probably exceptionally wrong about that take. But <laughs> we don't need to get into the minutiae of baseball and what's different about it. Because that's not the issue. The issue is that baseball takes the longest amount of time to play a game. And instead of spending some of that time humanizing these players, they try to litigate all of the humanity out of the game. There's no bad flipping. The Yankees aren't allowed to have facial hair. You're not allowed to do any of this. Like, going to a baseball game is, like, the only sport where it's actually more enjoyable than watching it on TV. Because at the game, you get to hear the walk-up music. You get to, like, tell which guy likes really lame Christian bro country. (laughs) (laughs) And which guy has, like, inexplicable cumbia songs from, like, 2001 and it's his walk-up music. Yeah. Like, (laughs) that's funny. And that's the kind of thing that they should play up on TV. But baseball is like this staid and boring sport, and that's why it's losing popularity. Like, they need to embrace the fact that they have these young, marketable people, and we have no idea what their personalities are like. Mm-hmm. We, we know what Draymond Green is like, because there's always a camera in his mouth to, like, to where he's saying something, yeah. or it's on social media. Right? Yeah. Baseball is the league that goes on YouTube every night and removes all highlight videos that aren't officially sponsored. Yeah, that's yeah, that too. I have no clue what gave these leagues advice, MLB and NFL, that taking off highlight videos is a good idea. Like, how am I supposed to know who's good or not if I can't? Like, I'm not going to schedule time to sit down 
and right. uh, in my living room and and to watch a game to maybe see some good highlights. Like I want to look up if I'm a new fan, I want to see the highlights right away. I don't want to be bored to death watching a game that I don't even know who's good or not. I don't know if it's going to be a good game. If it was a George Springer 50 coolest moments of the season YouTube video, I would click on that now. And now that's not a thing that exists because Major League Baseball doesn't let that exist, which is just patently ridiculous to me. It's so stupid. Especially but... now because like other sports like basketball, even UFC, other stuff, you can see like compilation videos, even esports. Like those like the websites they don't care, the organizations don't care. You watching the highlights gets views for their product. Yeah. I'll tune into a game if I'm excited about watching these players. Will I watch 162 three to four hour games? No. <laughs> it's a lot easier to get someone interested in baseball when you can direct them to a link or a tweet or a Facebook post rather than scouring the internet for a video that hasn't been taken down yet. Yeah. So and if baseball wants to continue to be like, according to them, this like bastion of like true sport and nobility and history and all that stuff well then it's gonna continue dying in terms of viewership like that's that's the bottom line you can either embrace where we're at as a culture or you can have your america's pastime thing and your confederate monuments (laughs) unrelated (laughs) or is it (laughs) i mean people just someone needs to i don't know who's responsible for teaching the decision makers in the MLB, like what is fun and what is accessible, but they need to have that conversation. Yeah. I nominate David Ortiz. (laughs) He's fun. I know that guy. He's fun. He's fun and accessible. (laughs) Let him be in charge of everything. Uh, Okay. So Tyler, I hope that answers your question sufficiently. Mm -hmm. Um, That is the longest conversation about baseball that we will ever have on this podcast. We're sorry, hoop heads. Go Astros. <laughs> Go Astros. I got into a lot of trouble this week for my flame trolling. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I'll never be sorry. Don't be mad online, people. <laughs> um, our next question is, I don't remember exactly who this was posed by. It might have been David. It might have been Adrian. I don't remember. Do, do teams, I I, grammati- I put it dramatically incorrect in the Google Doc. <laughs> do teams taking the regular season off start to have does that start to have an effect on teams like not taking the regular season seriously like we're, we're thinking Cavs Warriors teams like that I mean at this point I don't I don't know if that's like a question in general or if, if this is a question that was made in reflection of how they're doing so far to start the year but like I mean, at the start of the year, it's it's not taking the season off, but it's just, like, shaking the rust off and incorporating players who are new. Like, yeah. I mean, the Warriors may um, be guilty of taking the regular season off, maybe coasting a little too much, but, I mean, how can you really argue with that when they're still tied for first? Yeah, yeah, I think in the Warriors' case that, the, the style of play that they have is not predicated on them, like, trying exceptionally hard. And they have good enough shooting that they can not try super hard and win most games anyway. They can literally sit out <laughs> a star player in every... Just have Steph, Draymond, Kevin Durant, and uh, Clay Thompson each just rotate. Everyone sits out a game. Yeah. And they could still end up with, like, 64 wins. Yeah, absolutely. But for other teams, like the Cavs, who've had some roster changes that were lauded as great moves in the offseason and 
are incorporating lots of new players and lots of odd style fits, I think not giving full effort is really showing for a lot of those teams. Well, that I mean, that would have been a lot more salient of a point before LeBron scored fifty-seven points and they beat the Wizards. But and like I and again, like this isn't like in particular with the Cavs. Like I don't think it's about taking the regular season off. It was it's about like I mean, they just lost Tristan Thompson. They still don't have Isaiah Thomas. Dwayne Wade hasn't started off well. Neither uh, I mean, Derek Rose and Jared Smith have been on and off. Like it's just these are all just pieces trying to like they're still just trying to fit the pieces together it isn't it isn't um and i mean i guess referring to like um when they actually start taking the regular season off which i think is about like the 60 game mark when it's getting pretty clear as to where teams are going to end up i mean at that point like you you have to assess whether or not you're a championship team and then consider priorities like do you really want to go all out for like the last 20 games when you already know where you're going to be yeah um i was listening to the low post um and brian windhorse was the guest a few days ago and he made a point about how last year the Cavs did the same thing that they're doing right now they kind of coasted through the regular season especially on defense and then when they got to the actual moment where they needed to turn on their defense against the warriors they didn't have the habits built up, like the good switching habits and stuff, the like, the quick innate decisions that you make based on reflex, and so that really hurt them when they got blown out in the finals. Do you, do you lend any credence to that idea that you need to kind of build up that mental reflex to do the right thing on defense? Is it important? Is that a real thing, or is he just full of shit? Or does it not even matter because it's the Warriors? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, partially that. I mean... Really, like, I mean, the the Cavs have, were not regarded as, like, an incredible defensive team. I mean, when you're going up against the best offense in history, like, what does it matter if you really have figured out your defensive rotations because, like, it's it's the Warriors. But, I mean, aside from that, I mean, I think there's some truth to it, but they just... it's It's just an odd time in the NBA because there's no team in the East that can challenge them to to clean themselves up on defense like it's it's was it washington it would have been boston if hayward didn't injure himself and like what what else what what is their motivation to to like figure like to try harder on defense and try to work things out now when they know that it's kind of going to be a coast to the finals again I mean, I don't know if you've witnessed the Joel Embiid Ben Simmons two man game, but I feel like you're getting ahead of yourself to say that it's a coast to the finals. You got to get through <laughs> Philly first, man. There's that, yeah. Uh, I I definitely see your point, but I think that if the Cavs don't take the regular season seriously, especially with all the new people they have and the lack of secondary scoring punch with Kyrie gone, that it's not going to matter if like. The doomsday scenario for me for the Cavaliers is that the Warriors somehow, either through injury or something else, don't make the finals, and then the Cavs still get blown out by whoever else is the opponent <clears throat> because they're not ready to play. Well, that, I mean, they have a lot of problems. It's not just defense. So, like, I think that, I mean, I don't think that they would be the favorites even if the Warriors were to get knocked off, like, be it houston or san antonio or okc whoever goes up to the finals to face cleveland if the warriors were somehow to miss it like i wouldn't call the Cavs the favorite in i mean maybe against okc but that's it like i don't 
they're they're just I feel like they have the pressure on them to figure out um like their fit and their defense because they're the going to they're going to be the team that faces Golden State when in actuality they're not they're they're obviously a great team, but they're not that great. Yeah, I think that they would probably finish third or fourth in the West. Yeah, especially this year. But okay, so I think one thing that we don't really think about when we think about specifically the Warriors and Cavs coasting in the regular season, and I put coasting in air quotes. I, I realize that you can't hear that because you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, is that these guys are really tired? Like they played in the finals three years in a row. They played two extra months of basketball, three consecutive years. They're probably not, like, 100% in the energy department right now or in the conditioning department. And this is another thing, too. I can't remember if it was Windhorst or Kevin Arnovitz who brought it up, but uh, either in the Low Post or Hoop Collective. I can't recall when I heard these things. But um, (laughs) another thing that they brought up is just, uh, like, whenever you're in the finals, whenever you win, or when you lose, like... And you're coming back with most of the same team together. You already know how good you are, and so you just want to get the regular season over with. And so, like that's, there's not really a motivation to figure things out in the regular season because you already know that you can get to the finals. Like you know in the back of your head that you have to figure things out. But I mean, there are gonna be moments in the regular season where you're thinking, oh, it's just a few games. Like who cares? Like like. They're, they're going to be games that they're just going to take off because they know they already know how good they are. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't justify them not figuring everything out, but that thought is there. Like, it's it's hard to like to care for what is it like like five six months out of the year in the regular season when you know that you're already good enough to make the finals. Like, it's hard to take every game seriously when you're only focusing on the championship. Yeah, I agree. Um... I think that's pretty much that pretty much covers that question. You want to move on to the next one? Yeah. All right. So the next one is a, is from Adrian. Um, are the massive TV contracts making it harder, as in more expensive, less worth it for average fans to attend games? I don't really know how to approach this question. <laughs> okay. So I think I think it depends on how you view harder. Like, I think that the people going to basketball games are people that want to go to basketball games. I don't think that they're people just looking for a fun thing to do. I don't think that that's the majority of people going to NBA games at this point. Yeah. I think it's basketball fans are going to games. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and it says for average fans. Like, if you're not, like, if, I mean, if you're a diehard fan, it's not like it seems it would seem like a no-brainer to you to go to a game when you have the opportunity and if you're just an average fan like the 50 bucks that it may cost for a ticket like 50 to 75 for like a a seat in like the upper level like that's going to come up that's going to make it look like much more of an investment compared to the fan who doesn't think twice about it and will do what he can to go yeah no, no no you go you go um I think, so, while I get where Adrian is coming from, and the, the face value of tickets has never been higher, obviously. Like, for a regular 400-level seat at Toyota Center, like, the shittiest seat um, is, I think the season ticket price value is around $28, $29. But there's, like, very real caveats to that. Because there's promotions all the time. I know because they call me every fucking week 
they email me daily about the promotions they have for week. Where it's like family night or hot dog night or social media nights where you get a free, you get a beer, you get a hot dog, you get your ticket for 25 bucks. Yeah. That seems like a good deal to me. Or you, you substitute the beer for a soda and the hot dog for candy and it's kids night and it's 20 bucks. Also, it's prohibitively expensive to go see the best teams in the league unless you buy the tickets from the Rockets when they go on sale. Yeah, that's another thing too. Like if you're just an average fan, like then go see the Spurs or Rockets against Brooklyn. Or... Yeah, you can get a ticket to see the Rockets against the Sixers last Monday. You can get that ticket for $7 on StubHub. Yeah. You can take your family of 19 kids for less than $100. Yeah, it doesn't... To, to me, it doesn't really seem like a heavy investment until, like, you're looking to get a good seat against a good team. Because then that's, when you, that's, when, that's when you start looking to, like, a $75 to $125 for a decent seat. If you and, want to see the Rockets play the Spurs, you need to buy that ticket the day that that ticket goes on sale from Rockets.com. Yeah. When it's face value, the normal mm. price. Yeah, so... But... It, I think it requires more planning, and so that is more onerous for the average fan. Like, it's much easier to watch the game on ESPN and be able to like look at Facebook, look at Pornhub during the <laughs> that's whatever you want to look at. I mean, it's easy. It's stuff like like our friend, friend of the pod, Eric, has season tickets, and we've gone once so far with him because like I don't want to go to basketball games on Wednesday nights. I, I wake up at five in the morning to go to work. Yeah, it's kind of a pain in the ass to go to a ton of games. It's not that it's that expensive. It's just kind of like I don't really feel like it's usually worth it. Yeah, especially if you're going to drop a lot of money and you're going to go see the Warriors or the Cavs, and then the Rockets get shit stomped by forty points. It doesn't feel yeah. good to have spent two hundred dollars on two tickets to the game at that point. Yeah, and if you're just an average fan, make friends with a diehard fan and let them figure it all out. <laughs> Absolutely, um, but I, I think that the TV contracts are a net positive either way. Yeah. Because you get to watch more games at home. Yeah, yeah. So, which brings us to our next question. Are cord cutters an NBA issue? I think no, because there's so many services like Sling TV and Watch ESPN and shared accounts and shared passwords and League Pass and illegal streams that I don't think that NBA fans specifically are affected by like the lack of access to cable. I don't think it's a big deal. If you're telling me that you don't know how to watch a game, I'm gonna look at you like an idiot. Just like, what are you? What are you doing? You got you got cable. You got like a hundred apps. You got illegal streams. There's there, there's no excuse. If you if you really do want to watch a game, there's no excuse to justify that you couldn't get the game. There are there is always gonna be a, a way to watch these games. It's not that hard. And if there, and if this question was more along the lines of is it are cord cutters bad for the NBA? No, again, because cable companies are gonna are offering more and more a la carte packages that still feature TNT and ESPN. They always do, and it's always so you can watch sports. Also, there's the new YouTube TV, which I don't really understand how that works. I saw the pre the commercials for it. Yeah. <laughs> but more and more services like that, that money's going to go to the same place, and you're going to still have access to the games. But like like we said in the previous section, if you actually want to watch these games, it is very easy. I think that it says something that in this time in the world where there are like so many different ways to watch the game, including illegally, that the NBA has their biggest TV contract in history. Yeah. And I mean, if all this fails and you want to watch a game, just go to a bar. 
The yeah. bar's always going to have the cable package. Yeah. Hit up your Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> Hit up your love, your local BWW, unless you're a millennial, because then you're purposely trying to kill Buffalo Wild Wings, which I don't really get. I don't really get all that. Like, how are millennials trying to kill Buffalo Wild Wings? I love Buffalo Wild Wings. But I mean, it, I'd prefer to get it to go, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's another conversation, but, I mean, don't blame millennials for everything. Yeah, um, okay, you want to read the one from Jacob, Jakob? Yeah, Jacob Streckert, best friend... Friend of the pod. <laughs> ...asks... How is it that football players don't reach enough talent to play professionally until after college, but many basketball players can compete out of high school? I asked him to clarify that, and he what he meant by that, uh, in case the message didn't get across, is that how is it that football players take a while to build up into being star players, but many basketball players just get it right from the get-go? He used LeBron as his example. like He was a star straight out of high school, and for most NFL players... They need that like three, four years in college, and then even just in even like two or three more years into their NFL careers to really establish themselves. Okay, so there's some layers here. The first layer is that we can LeBron is not a good example because he's a once in generational athlete. LeBron probably could have been a decent NBA rookie when he was in the tenth grade. Yeah, <laughs> so we I, gotta throw LeBron out. <laughs> I mean, it's that too, and like I mean, yeah, LeBron is like the highest of highest examples for that, but. I mean, you can you can look at Ben Simmons and Lonzo Ball. Those guys are already legit NBA players. Yeah, and they're one year out of high school. Okay, so the main yeah. difference, the main main difference is that for the NFL, the players' bodies need to be fully developed. And when you're 18, your body's not fully developed. Like you're you haven't gone through enough testosterone cycles. You're not big enough, frankly. NFL players are like too to three times stronger than, like, college freshmen in terms of just, like, fierce physical strength. Yeah. Like, linemen in high school, like, offensive linemen, can be, like, 240, 250. Like, NFL linemen are 400 pounds, some of them on defense. It's just, like, a sheer physical difference. Yeah, I mean... They definitely have the talent. It's not, like, a talent issue keeping NFL players from being able to play. Yeah, and I mean, granted, the NBA also requires you having a level of strength, but just look at NFL players and NBA players. Like, the gap isn't as wide in the NBA as it is in the NFL. And I mean, I, it would also depend on the position that you play, too. Because, yeah. I mean, if you're an offensive lineman, it's it's probably going to take a while. <laughs> and, like, if you're, like, piece of shit Ezekiel Elliott, you'll get it right away. Yeah, like, Ezekiel Elliott could have come to the NFL two years earlier than he did and been fine. Yeah. Like... It just it's it's more dangerous to play in the NFL. Yeah, that and also like having a high IQ level can really take you far in the NBA. Yeah. For players who just get it, for players who one of their strongest suits is their intelligence level and just know how to fit on their team, no matter what team they're in, you could just pluck them and put them on any any NBA team and they'll figure out what their role is. And like those players you can plug in those players and play them right away. Yeah, and, and that way the NBA is a lot like soccer and that you can be a teenage superstar in soccer. Like, the current best American player, Christian Pulisic, just turned 19, like, a couple months ago. He's yeah. not, like, super physically developed. He's, like, 5'8", like, 165. Yeah. But he's already a man in terms of soccer. NFL players, like, you don't reach the point where you're, like, a grown-ass man until you're 21, 22 years old. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you kind of see it the same way in the NBA, too. Like, with, like, high school players and college freshmen, you ask if they can already make it 
in the NBA. There are high school players who end up on the cover of Sports Illustrated, like the next biggest NBA star. Like who they could probably play a role in the NBA now, and even in Europe too. I'm gonna get. Uh, I, I'm not gonna go on and on about it, but just ag- <laughs> I, just again, look up Luka Doncic and tell me that guy would not ball out in That's the NBA already. L U K A D O N C I C. Yes. Luka Doncic. Yes. Um, okay, and the like. The final point that I have to make on this is that football. It's not that rookies can't be good. Okay. It's that football is extremely attritional, and that. You have to be able to do it, get physically harmed, recover, and do it again 16 weeks in a row. And where the rookies have problems like J.J. Watt's little brother or Deshaun Watson or any of the other current rookies in the NFL, Leonard Fournette, it's not that they can't do it once. It's that they can't do it 16 times in a row because they don't have the strength and endurance built up from having NFL-level workouts here around. It also doesn't help that your brain corrodes after every tackle, so... <laughs> it doesn't help that you've seen stars literally 24-7, 365 after playing football for five minutes. Let's see. Okay, that does it for that. Next question. Was this Tramp? I think no, it was. I, I asked this question. Oh, you asshole. Okay. Where, oh where, is Kawhi Leonard at? Because it's been nine games and he still has yet to play. Um, they still obviously haven't given a definitive answer yet, but, um, the few times that Pop has been pressed about this, he said that the Spurs are currently in the middle of a six-game home stretch, and he didn't rule out him possibly returning during this, uh, homestand, and, oh my god, it was a few games ago, I can't remember which game exactly it was, sometime in the past week that he mentioned that it will be most likely that Kawhi Leonard comes back within the next three weeks. And so, like, I mean, it that that's pretty much the extent of what we have now for when Kawhi is able to return. Sometime within the next one to three weeks is most likely when he'll return. So he's going to end up missing the first 20% of the season, essentially. Because he missed nine games. If it's another three weeks, that's another six or seven games. So that gets him to 16, which is like 20% of the season. Yeah. That's... A rough start. What do you think that the Spurs' record will be if he misses the first 17 games? Uh, Just, like, slightly above 500. Like, I wouldn't be... I mean, really, like, I would just... Whatever record they end up with. Like, the only way that I'll be concerned is if they just lose every single game until <laughs> Kawhi comes back. But, um, like, like, realistically, I think it wouldn't be that hard to... What you said, like seventeen games that yeah, he would miss. Games. Like it, it wouldn't really concern me at all if they were to be like, I don't know, like somewhere, somewhere between like eight and nine and like eleven and six, something like that. They broke the losing streak, right? Yeah, yeah. They beat Charlotte. They're five and four. So they yeah. had lost four in a row, and then they finally won. And yeah. Charlotte was a decent. That was a decent win. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I think it's difficult to be concerned about the Spurs, but. I mean, I do feel slightly vindicated for being more concerned about Kawhi Leonard when it came out that he wasn't going to play the first game. Um, I just want, <laughs> I just want to pat myself on the back. Congrats. I, I really want him to come back soon because a, it totally fucks up somebody's fantasy basketball season. Sorry, Trent. <laughs> <laughs> he spent all his money on Kawhi Leonard and Russell um, Westbrook. And Kawhi's yeah, not even playing. And Westbrook's averaging 19 points per game. So. <laughs> um. That, like, really hurts people, but also, like, he was supposed to win MVP this year, and it's... 
I feel bad for him. I feel bad for the Spurs. Because they're going to be... I don't know. I think it's becoming more and more likely that even if he comes back after 17 games, that they're going to be in the 4 or 5 spot. And I just don't... I, that's an ugly place to be this year. I mean, it just depends on the success of other teams as well. I mean, I think it's a given that it's going to be Warriors and Rockets 1 and 2. And then after that, it's going to be a mix between them and... OKC, Minnesota, the Clippers. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they still end up in, like, the third or fourth spot, so. Yeah, um, okay, so you're still not, what about Tony Parker? When is Tony Parker coming back? Um, I mean, he's going through, it's, it's pretty much for sure sometime in December, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if he comes back, like, later this month, because he's already going through practice, like, he's already going through contact, yeah. five on five, so at this point, it's just a matter of, like repetition and just until he feels comfortable playing NBA level intensity again. Is it a good thing or a bad thing that Tony Parker's going to come back? Because he wasn't good last season until the playoffs, really. He he was good. Uh, he I mean his stats didn't reflect it, but last year was really about him, like really taking the back seat and just being the fill in guy because that's what the team needed. I mean, whenever you have Kawhi and LaMarcus, and then Danny Green's your 3 and D guy, and Pau Gasol is a really good stretch big. What you need out of your point guard is just, like, running the offense. And that was really what Tony Parker's transition was last year, was just being the guy that set up plays. And okay. so I don't think it'll be that harmful when he comes back. I mean, I, th- I, mean, I, I trust him as good as... Uh, as many signs as DeJounte Murray has shown, and still Patty Mills, still Patty Mills... I still feel most comfortable when Tony Parker is running the offense. Okay, I, I can dig that. Um, all right, we have two more listener questions. Um, Eric asked two questions. One is, but he wrote it as a sentence. <laughs> Sorry, we um, basically had to decipher it like Charlie's lyrics, <laughs> whatever, and the Dayman song. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, he wants to know. I guess he wants to know what the league is doing about players jumping into people to try to draw fouls. And they did. They like they made a rule over the summer. Yeah. And so I think it's been pretty effective so far. It's really hurting James Harden and other <laughs> guys like James Harden. I mean, James I, Harden's averaging like nine three-point attempts per game now. I mean, I could only assume that it's been good so far because there hasn't been much commotion about it. Like, I don't really... I mean, it hasn't been controversial in any way. Like, it's, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's been aggravating to some players who have been taking advantage of it, but the league is moving past it, and they're just taking the rule in stride. And Yeah, we'll get back to this a little bit later when we talk specifically about the Rockets and James Harden. But for now, um, to his second question, why are some players targeting Lonzo Ball when they play him, but they don't play that aggressively during the rest of the season? That is a very easy question. Yeah, as if it's we, LeVar Ball. Is the yeah, answer. as if we really had to address that. I mean, yeah. when you have when you have someone constantly talking about how this guy is going to beat your ass, you're going to want to hit them back as hard as you can. <laughs> and it's like it it feels like it's wearing on Lonzo Ball. He's had some. He's had some good games, but he's had some really bad games. He had zero points the other night. Um, and just, you know, I feel bad for him because he seems like he would be a fun NBA player, and I wish that he didn't have all this circus around him. But you also have to think of it from the perspective of, like, the first night, Patrick Beverly did all this stuff, and then what happens for the next for the rest of the week? Patrick Beverly, whose name probably isn't normally in the news, is in the news for an entire week. 
That's why people are playing hard against Lonzo Ball. Because if you shut down Lonzo Ball, your name is in the news cycle for a week. Yeah, he's averaging 8.8 points, 6.6 rebounds, and 6.7 assists, which is a really good line. Yeah, but I mean, it's then not as you, good as Ben Simmons, because Ben Simmons is higher in every category. But <laughs> And then you consider that even with those impressive stats, he still has a 9 PER and shooting Ooh. 30% and 25 from 3. Fuck my life. Uh, and, I had no idea it was that bad. <laughs> yeah, and let's see here. He hasn't he's barely shot any free throws, so I I don't think this is very indicative of his capabilities. But he's also just shooting fifty percent from the line. Um I think that that is representative of the kind of struggles that we thought he would have. He's like a strictly passing point guard. That's all he is. If he's not a plus defender, I don't think that he's gonna last like I don't think that he's going to be a super good NBA player unless he can be a really good defender. I mean, he's essentially Ricky Rubio, but take away some defense and add a jump shot, and that's... Ricky I don't know Rubio. about adding the jump shot if he's shooting 30 and 25% through his first 10 games. I think his stats are really ruined by the fact that he doesn't shoot, like, at all. Like, he... he like, there was one game, the game against the Suns, I think the one that got Earl Watson fired... Uh, <laughs> He shot 27 times. He he had 29 points, but he was 12 out of 27, which That's I'm not good. I mean, which is which is good for him because he doesn't really shoot and since then like he's like yeah, these shooting numbers just are not that Oof. great. He's he's because of his ugly ass jump shot, he really needs to be more of a spot-up shooter, but on the Lakers, there's not really anyone else who can generate offense like him that allows him to clear up some space and take an open shot. And so because of that, he has to create for himself, and he's just not that good at it. So, like, let's see. Let me just, like, read off. Since he went 12 of 27, here have been the rest of his shooting lines. 3 of 13, 2 of 11, 2 of 7, 3 of 10, 6 of 13, not bad, 0 for 2, and 3 for 15. 3 for 15. Like he's had multiple twenty percent shooting games. Yeah, like uh I mean those are like depressing Alfred Payton level stats. Yeah, like I don't I mean he, he needs If he did that for a whole season, he would be the worst shooter in the NBA. He obviously needs time to develop, but that's hard whenever everyone wants to beat your ass because of your dad, and also because your team just isn't talented enough to get you open looks. The best thing that can happen to Lonzo Ball is that he plays really poorly for the entire season, and then no one expects anything out of him going forward. Yeah, he really needs to not have so much attention around him. Yeah, because he is for sure, like, he's already, like, I'd be willing to bet that he has already lost Rookie of the Year, unless Ben Simmons gets injured. Oh, yeah, like, of it's course. Like, it's already over. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ben Simmons is a fucking Greek god. <laughs> yeah. Except he's from Australia. But <laughs> Okay, and our final, our final viewer question is from me. And it's our segment, the stupid motherfucker <laughs> of the week, is me, Will Darnell, for suggesting <laughs> that A, Nikola Jokic was better than Chris Evans Porzingis, and B, I didn't think that Chris Evans Porzingis was a foundational player. Literally every single night that the Knicks have a game, there is a gif of him doing something absolutely awe-inspiring and incredible. The Do latest thing was he, he got a block, like a disgusting, nasty block, and then ran down the court and like had a thunderous dunk on the other end it, every night. Do you want to guess 
by how many points he's put up. How many how many more points per game he's putting up compared to last year? Uh, twelve. Uh, close eleven. He yeah. went from averaging eighteen to twenty nine points a game. Yeah, I think that there's an okay chance that he'll lead the league in scoring. He might break down because he's never had this kind of a usage rate. But the Knicks are frisky. They're five hundred, right? They are, let me see here, I have the records right here. They are, yeah, 4-4. Four and four. Yeah, they're better than everyone thought they would be so far, but they always are at the beginning of the season. But I, it's very rare. Like It's like Rudy Gay-like for a team to respond well to a good player leaving as the Knicks have responded to Carmelo leaving, especially Porzingis. I mean, that just wasn't a good fit. I mean, they just had different priorities, and it's been obvious for a few years, few years now that Carmelo had to go. And yeah. so, like, it's just it's just a relief. I mean, he's currently third in scoring. He would He's behind number two by point one, and then behind number one by two points. Yeah, I, I think that there's an okay chance. But he is, like, he has definitely made a leap, as everyone likes to say. I don't really believe in that kind of thing. I think it's, like, a natural progression. But... In his case, I think it's that he's happier because he's got his own team. And they're just running everything through him. Yeah, yeah, which is appropriate. damn, does he look good. (laughs) Yeah, he's a really good player. (laughs) Sorry, Nikola Jokic. You are not nearly as exciting with your scoop passes. (laughs) Let's see. Okay, You're not breaking the rim. (laughs) Okay, so that, let's see here. That just about does it for listener questions. Let's zoom through the stuff that we also wrote down from this past week, and then, yeah, let's call it after that. Jeez, we we spent a lot of time. You're welcome, guys. We spent 46 minutes so far, <laughs> or well, before editing, 46 minutes <laughs> talking about uh, listener questions. So first things first, with the Sixers, um, the they've been mostly. Outside of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they've had a lot of good news and bad news. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons have been the good news. Bad news have been about Markel Fultz and Julio Okafor. With Markel Fultz, we don't have to talk much about it. I just wanted to say that, like, what a relief it is that they're shutting down Markel Fultz <laughs> yeah. with the shoulder injury because, like, why did we need that controversy to begin with? Like, it's it, it was never necessary. Like, he's a rookie on a team that's not that good. Just let him rest <laughs> and just, like, come back at full strength. You didn't have to play him through a hurt shoulder. Definitely not. And uh, so the Julio Okafor stuff is they didn't pick up his his fourth-year option. They didn't extend him. Um, he wants to be traded. They can't find someone to trade. And so he wants to be bought out. We'll see where that goes. Um, I mean, I feel really bad for Julio Okafor. I, don't, I still think that he can be a pretty good player in the NBA. Yeah. They drafted him knowing exactly what kind of player he was, and now they're upset that he's that kind of a player. It doesn't make sense. Like, I just... It sucks for him because, like, he can still... Like, people love to rag on him for being the next Al Jefferson, but, I mean, Al Jefferson's like a 12-year vet. Like, yeah, he's, he's still a fruitful and a lucrative NBA career. He's not a guy that will, like, add substantially to your championship odds, but there's a reason why he keeps getting contracts well above the minimum. Like, yeah. So, like, he was he was the major piece of the Kevin Garnett trade that got him to Boston. Uh, Charlotte extended him. He got a good contract, I think, this past summer, or maybe the summer before, from Indiana. Like, he, like that could be Julio Okafor, but instead he got his rookie option declined. 
the Sixers are holding out to get some kind of value for him, even though like it's known across the league that Jalil Okafor, even known by him that he has like just about zero trade value. Like he's yeah. saying in interviews, just oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, he's straight up saying like I don't understand what they're waiting for because they're not going to get much for me. Just trade me for nothing or let me go because. That that's that's where I am right now. I need to move on. He he would be a good like minimum add for the Pelicans. You could give him some offense for their second unit. Yeah, you could play him with Cousins or with Davis. Yeah, I mean he can. I mean I wouldn't. I wouldn't even mind like what like a contending team taking him on because I don't think he's a lost cause. I just think that he was just pushed out of Philly. Like maybe he needs like I mean, he could go to the Spurs. I wouldn't mind that. Popovich can teach him how to be. I, <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. I mean, he's a good player. Like, he just needs better guidance because, like, he's kind of been abandoned by Philly. Yeah. Um. And good news for Philly. They're over 500 for the first time in how long? Five years? A very long time. <laughs> um. And J.J. Reddick came back from injury and, like, set the earth on fire. He made, like, 8 of 12 threes and scored 40 or 30-something points. It was, it was good. Philly's in a good spot, so let's move on. Um, we had, we were going to like talk about the Cavs and how they were in trouble and they were three and five and they had lost four in a row. And then LeBron scored 57 points. He's the oldest player to score 57 points and they beat the Wizards. So, yeah, I don't think if that, that means that their problems are magically cured. I mean, I think this kind of represents the question that we had earlier about like, addressing regular season struggles like for as much as the Cavs may have looked bad before this game like they know they know like what games like they should be taking more seriously they be like they may have lost like a few games to teams that are not good but then they just put the pedal to the metal against the Wizards and beat the living shit out of them and I mean and not only that but I mean I don't I don't know if you saw this but like I don't know why the Wizards are so desperate to, like, have a rivalry. <laughs> I, was, I was about to get there. Um, so I think that this loss is much, or this game is much more about the Wizards losing than it is about the Cavs riding the ship. Because the Wizards, for the entire week, played up this, oh, we're the only team the Cavs are afraid of, and the Cavs are lucky they didn't play us in the They playoffs. literally went on TV. smoked. <laughs> they literally went on TV and said that, the Cavs tanked last year to avoid playing them in the playoffs. Which is actually, which is true. I think it's true. I don't think so. I think that the Cavs were okay with the scenario. I don't think that they like went out and lost on purpose or anything like that. But I think that the Cavs knew the scenarios and were okay with not matching up with the Wizards. Just because it's a harder series. Yeah. and But it's very embarrassing, once again, for the Wizards to do all this stuff and say all these things and then to lose. And now John Wall's injured. He has like a shoulder sprain. So. Oh yeah, I mean he's. I mean it, it wasn't anything serious. I mean he might miss the next game, but he it's is, not. He's definitely gonna miss the next game. It's all early. Yeah, and I mean, I mean you may have had some merit if you didn't lose to the Celtics in last year's playoffs. The yeah. same Celtics that the Cavs beat the shit out of yeah. afterwards. So, um, speaking of the Celtics, we've got two teams in the East, three teams in the East, wildly, uh exceeding oh four teams in the east wildly exceeding their like early season prognostication the first one we'll talk about is the celtics who lost gordon hayward six minutes of the season lost that game lost the next one and then have won seven in a row and currently have the league's best record what the fuck 
I said that they would struggle without Gordon Hayward. So far, that has proven to not be true. Brad Stevens, for president, etc. What do you think about that? Do you think it's real? Do you think that they're actually going to finish with a really good record? I think that they're better than what they were given credit for after the Hayward loss. Uh-huh. I, yeah, like, I... I mean, they're definitely still going to make the playoffs. They're not that horrible oh, of a yeah, team. Yeah. And, like, they did a Like, for as much shit as they get around draft time for their odd, like, maneuvers around draft time or holding out whenever they should be making moves or whatever, like, they have something in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown's averaging 16 and 6, and Jason Tatum's averaging 14 and 6. In your worst case scenario where Ben Simmons misses the rest of the season, it'll probably be Jason Tatum winning rookie of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And, like, a lot of people. A lot of experts and fans thought that the Cavs, like, easily won the Kyrie Irving trade. And it's really easy right now to talk about it because Isaiah Thomas is injured. But that's part of it. Like, he's not playing. And Kyrie Irving is playing, and he's playing great. And he's trying on defense. And his team has won seven games in a row after their max highest-paid player is out for the year with a broken leg. So Yeah, averaging 22 points a game. (laughs) So, I mean, I just think that probably they got too much heat for where they stood after the Hayward injury again and I mean I don't they're not going to finish number 1 like they are right now but yeah they're still they're still feisty they could still I don't think they'll get far in the playoffs either but they're a team that can that can make an upset possible if you don't take them as seriously as you should sure um okay so the next team um belying expectations is the Orlando Magic they're six and three. With a caveat, they were five and one, and they've won- lost two of three now. But they're six and three. Aaron Gordon's playing really well. Alfred Payton is coming back soon, so that might mess them up. What do you think about the Magic? Do you think they're an okay team? Do you think that they're a sixty-seven one percentage team? <laughs> <laughs> not Probably exactly not. sixty-seven percentage, <laughs> but I think oh, I, it's it's hard. Like I don't know if if this is just like an early season jump or if this is like closer to who they are like they're going to regress and like i don't know if they're going to regress back to what they were last year or just a little bit to the point where they're still like widely recognized as a pretty good team and i mean a lot of it is like behind aaron gordon who is still shooting lights out averaging 19 and 8 54 overall and 58 from three that's gotta go down man people keep saying that but it's been nine games yeah, like, he just, yeah, like, I just don't, I want to believe in them, because I really love Aaron Gordon. Eric, please accept my trades for Aaron <laughs> Gordon. I don't think he's gonna. Um, I think that they'll probably finish around 500, and they'll make the playoffs. Yeah, they're definitely a playoff <laughs> team. Like, this, like, I... And then, quickly, with the other three Eastern Conference things, uh, the Pacers are 5-4. and four. What do you think of them? Demonis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo at least make the Paul George trade not look ridiculous. I I think this Victor Oladipo thing is for real. I think that he has just been on bad fit of a he's just been a bad fit on his team so far. He was never really properly used in Orlando. And, and he's back home. Yeah, and in OKC it was just the Russell Westbrook season last year. He got he did better, but I mean, yeah, it didn't matter what he did. It was year, Russell Westbrook's it. MVP campaign last year, <laughs> and so now he's back in Indiana, and 
I mean, I I still think that he could be like a really really good player. Like I think, let's see here. What are what are his averages at this point? Uh, he is geez, twenty four points a game. Yeah, fifty percent and forty nine from three. Like that that may cool off a little bit, but I think this is. This start is more indicative of who he is as a player than his prior stops in OKC and Orlando. Like I, I think that we don't ever give enough credence to people feeling comfortable, like human beings feeling comfortable. And Victor Oladipo's from Indiana. He went to Indiana, and now he's back in Indiana, and all of a sudden he's good. I don't think it's like a random chance. I think being in Indiana has a lot to do with why he's good now. And you're right, the offense is it is his team. Yeah, it's basically. I mean, Miles Turner has been out, and so and five and four, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, and so which which I was going to say after this is that I really like. I I think Demontis Sabonis is another guy who got too much of a bad rap for the season that he had last year in OKC. He's a fucking rookie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still think that he can be a decent player. Like he's averaging thirteen and ten along with three points now. I don't think that... I mean, shooting shooting 33% from three, too. Not that bad. And, like, I just... I think that's going to go down a little bit when Miles Turner comes back. But it must be nice to be on a team where you're still trying to get your NBA legs under you and there's just not that much attention on you. Like, for Victor Oladipo and Damana Sabonis, especially Sabonis since he was a rookie last year, like... The conversation was always about OKC and about Russell Westbrook and about whether his style of play was good or not for the team and like everyone else's performance was like a reflection of what people's primary thoughts about Russell Westbrook were and I think for Demonis Sabonis it's just been really nice to just not have the focus be so much on his team and like and, and I mean there's some focus on him now because they're better than what we expected them to be which is like the best kind of attention that you can get for a player who's still trying to learn, still trying to figure out who he is as an NBA player. Like, they're just, the attention is just like, oh, hey, Indiana, look at them. It's a nice surprise. And, like, even if even if you do worse, people aren't going to shit on you for that. Like, yeah. people know that you still are developing. So I think he's pretty much, he, I think he's in a great situation right now. And I like where they're headed. I think he can be better. I think Victor Oladipo can keep it up. Uh, hopefully they don't miss a beat whenever Miles Turner comes back. Yeah, do you think that they can make the playoffs? Do you think they can uh, compete for the playoffs for the entire season? If they... It just depends on how they look whenever Miles Turner comes back. I mean, Miles Turner should be kind of a seamless fit because this was his team. This, yeah. Like, going into the season, people thought that it would be Miles Turner who would be the clear leader of the team. And I think that... Um, I mean, as long as he fits in well and doesn't, like, disrupt their flow that they have right now, I don't see why not. Okay, cool. Um, the last Eastern Conference team we're going to talk about is the Pistons, who are 7-3, and three, tied for the second-best record in the league. Um, so far, they have beaten the Timberwolves, Clippers, Warriors, Bucks, and then some shitty teams. But they've already got four good wins so far this year. Reggie Jackson is back healthy. He looks good. He looks fast. Tobias Harris is playing the best basketball he's ever played. The Morris twin is gone. They've got Avery Bradley now. Instead of Caldwell Pope, who looks like absolute dog shit for the Lakers. He's so bad that I fucking dropped him from my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, let's see what... Okay, we'll, we'll get back to Detroit right now, but let's see what his averages are. 
Let's see here. Oh, this, uh, uh, <laughs> this is a one-year deal. This is supposed to be $20 like... $20 million dollar contract. Yeah, this is supposed to be his max or nothing pitch contract. And instead, <laughs> he's gone down from 14 to 11 points a game. And it's shooting 40% and 31 from three. This is not 11 a points per game for a starting shoot guard, shoot, shooting guard in the NBA is like two or three regressions past an average replacement player. Like, he has been god-awful so far this season. Yeah. yeah. His former team, Avery Bradley hasn't exactly been setting the, the world on fire. He's also on my fantasy team for some inexplicable reason. But <laughs> <laughs> they've been winning a lot of games. They've been winning close games and blowouts. Somehow they've lost to the Lakers and the Sixers. Yeah, yeah. So they had some really good wins and also some really bad losses. I mean, Oh, they also he... beat the Hornets. So they beat five presumptive playoff teams so far in their seven wins. Yeah, I mean, they... I don't know what to think of Detroit. <laughs> I think that, I mean, well, well, one good thing, I think already Avery Bradley is a much better fit than Contavious Oval Pope ever was. Yeah. And, but aside from that, I mean, Reggie Jackson has a good, but I'm also worried about where they're going to go with this because he was in conversation to be traded for Eric Bledsoe. Apparently the Sam Van Gundy said that they've never even thought about doing that, which I don't believe. Yeah, I don't believe I think that, that would be a bad trade for them. Though. Because, I mean, people, multiple uh, publications have reported that the deal was supposed to be uh, Eric Eric Bledsoe for Reddy Jackson with a bunch of other pieces, but it got shut down because Phoenix didn't want to take Reggie Jackson. They wanted there to be a third <laughs> team to take Reggie Jackson. That Reggie was, Jackson's an asshole who everyone hates. And that was supposed to be New Orleans. New Orleans got involved to be the third team to take on Reggie Jackson, but then that fell apart for whatever reason that would have been good for them i i don't know reggie jackson and drew holiday together that doesn't it's not the world's most scary backcourt <laughs> no it's not um, i think the pistons are gonna be okay they were supposed to win a lot of games or like 40-ish games last year they only went 30 uh reggie jackson was injured drummond was terrible drummond has been better at shooting free throws this year but I think I remember from the low post that the Pistons are last in free throw attempts. He is not shooting as many. They were saying that he's not shooting as many free throw attempts as he should. I mean, he's... Yeah, neither is the team as a whole. They're just not getting to the free throw line. They, they had a game where they had zero free throw attempts. Yeah. Or one free throw attempt. Yeah, he's <laughs> averaging... I mean, he's he's a much, much better free throw shooter. He's, he won from last year 38% to 75%. But that's... Uh, he's gonna have to shoot more for that to be true, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, last year, I mean, he he just doesn't go to the foul line much. I mean, every, every year there's the talk about changing the hacking rules because of how much people hack Andre Drummond, and even with that conversation, he's pretty much the main guy behind that conversation now. Yeah. And even with that, last year he only averaged four point four free throw attempts a game, and this year he's averaging four. Yeah, there was a there was a story this week, this weekend about um. DeMarcus Cousins got out of the way of a Dennis Smith Jr. dunk, and he called it a business decision, which is apparently a thing NBA players say when they don't want to be embarrassed. Andre Drummond has a reputation for making constant business decisions and that he doesn't like contact, and that's one of the reasons why he doesn't get to the free throw line is because he would prefer that you not touch him, <laughs> which is hard for a sitter in the NBA. Yeah, and like I mean... He just needs to be more physical. I think it would really do wonders for him if he... Or to show off this this free throw uh, improvement, if he were shooting a lot more of them, but 
Yeah, he's, oh, he's taking four not... attempts a game as a center is bad. Yeah, that's yeah, it's that's terrible. not that's not good. All right, switching to the Western Conference. Uh, wait, one last thing: the uh, the anointed one, Giannis Antetokounmpo's MVP MVP man is uh, his team is four and five, and they're in eleventh place in the Eastern Conference. So there we go. MVP, are you, are you, MVP, MVP. Are you ready to say you hate Giannis? No, I don't hate Giannis. I just think that your team probably has to not be one of the worst in the Eastern Conference. You know, you have to have a better record than the Philadelphia 76ers to get MVP talk about you, I think. They're tied with the team that just went to the finals, Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> yeah, the Cleveland who had to have a team meeting and a blowout and a bunch of other stuff and how thousands of words were written about how much in trouble they were. And instead of writing about how the Bucks are terrible, everyone's writing about how Giannis is the greatest player in the world. So I just find it a little bit amusing. I mean, I feel like people expected both of those things. I mean, Giannis still is playing amazingly well. Can he and... win MVP if they don't make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference? No, but I think they are going to make the playoffs. I mean, it's, what if they it's... what if they finish eighth? That... Eighth is close to six. Like, what if it's like a half game separating the last three teams in the East? I mean, that would just depend on who else is playing that much better. I mean, when you think about, like, who, like, if the season continues at this pace, not records, but, like, individual performances, who would be competing with him? Uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Um, Giannis easily beats him because of the narrative. You Blake don't... Griffin. Blake Griffin. LeBron. Those are possible. Um, John Wall before he got injured. But he got injured. Uh, Harden, Harden, I guess. If you dig really closely into his stats, um, I don't think that he would have a good case because he's down in a lot of categories. But I just, it, they're not going to, like, the, the Westbrook thing is different. Like, that team won more games than they were expected to. If the Bucks somehow finish around 500 and finish 7th or 8th, that'll be less games than they're expected to win. He's not going to win MVP if they win less than they're supposed to. I don't think that he should. I, I mean, I hope that you agree with it. <laughs> I think that that's a rational thought. I'm not just being irrationally angry about this MVP narrative. If they underperform, there's no way he can win MVP. I mean, I think those are both true, that you have a good point and you're irrationally angry about this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on to the Western Conference. Um, I mentioned Marcus Cousins. For the first time in his tenure as the New Orleans Pelican, the Pelicans are 500. They're 5-5 five and five now. They've scraped up to 500. Anthony Davis is back. Um, everyone was saying Boogie Cousins' stats would go down when Davis came back. Nope. They're both still literally setting the world on fire. Combined, they're averaging like 55 points a game or something. Something obscene. Yeah, last year... Let me see. Yeah, he's... DeMarcus Cousins has uh, slightly improved on last year. He went from 27 to 28.6 points a game. And now he has a top 10 teammate, and he's, like, improved his stats somehow. <laughs> yeah, let's see. What is he better at shooting? Yeah. Uh, let's see. No, he's actually worse at shooting. Damn. 36 to 33% three-point shooting. But, uh, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins... I mean, the Pelicans... As that's another team that I'm wary about because, I mean, it's the Pelicans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Anthony Davis is still doing Anthony Davis things, averaging 27 and 12, shooting, was it, 54%. So, I mean, I don't know. I just, with the Pelicans, you can never really trust them to 
can maintain any success that they have. So, like, I, I at, at, at this point, like, I, I don't know what to say. I think this is just a team where you just have to hold off and see where they are, like, in a month from now. Yeah, I think that the only things you can count on is that every night he and Anthony Davis are going to combine for at least 50 points and at least 25 rebounds. Yeah, those and are... If they're going to get that, and if anyone else on the team can contribute, they're going to win. And if no one else decides to contribute that night, like uh, two nights ago, Drew Holiday had 6-8-8 eight, and eight for $30 million. That's not... Like, they won that game, but it was against the Mavericks. So... Yeah, I mean... Those all, those are two things that you can count on. Uh, the market, only two things you can count on. I it's it's really perplexing to me how like I don't recall the last time a team had two was it top ten players maybe two at the at the very very least top fifteen yeah yeah and at the very least top fifteen two top fifteen players at the very very least if he wasn't an and, asshole people would agree that Boogie is a top ten player but he's an asshole so people drop him like five spots because he hurts his team sometimes. Yeah, I don't recall a team having two having two stars the caliber of Davis and Cousins, and such a bad supporting cast around them. Like when Drew Holiday's like far and away your third best player, that's that's bad. <laughs> like if if in today's NBA, like when you have two stars, that should be good enough to at least get you to the playoffs. And we don't even know that about New Orleans. Yeah, like, but I mean, if they had like some like. Mo Harkless, Allen Crab, like Trevor Booker style guys filling out the roster, they would definitely be in the playoffs. But they have the fucking scourge of the earth guys like Dante Cunningham and uh, it's Juan Moore and just like dog shit NBA players. No offense to these guys personally, but that's why I think Jaleel Okafor is a good fit for them because he's like, he would be their fourth best player. They just need talent. <laughs> he can score points and that's like all they need. Yeah, like. I I don't know. I mean, with New Orleans, they just they just have a lot of odd pieces. I like a lot of the players that they have individually, but when you put them together, it's just fucking ugly. Like, yeah. each one more is not that bad. And then Solomon Hill's out for the year. Yeah, uh, sad. that's sad because he could have spaced the floor a lot for them. Yeah, and then was it Ian Clark's an okay player? Tony Allen. They just signed Jameer Nelson. That's a good signing for them. He'll at least score a little bit. Let's see. Let me look up what Josh Smith has done. <laughs> oh, God. While well, John is looking that fun fact up, the worst team in the league, I'm excited to say, is the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> um, we're always happy when the Mavs are bad, especially when that cocksucker Mark Cuban uh, says things that sound racist to Draymond Green, insinuating that Draymond Green is too stupid to understand how business works. Yeah, like I... So. Yeah, like that... <laughs> he... I wish that he would look at players' perspective. Because, I mean, Draymond, you can say whether or not, like, Draymond has a valid enough point to make cha- to make the changes that he was calling for, but you could see where he was coming from. And Mark Cuban was just more concerned about emphasizing the fact that he is a team owner and Draymond is not. Yeah, so that was, that was really stupid. Um... What is uh, Josh Smith? What is Josh Smith done? Oh, he's only averaging four minutes a game, so... Okay, so nothing. Yeah. Um, I want to make fun of the Thunder, because there was a big article on the Ringer this we- this week, a website that I support. I even bought a Ringer hoodie recently. 
Jonathan Sharks wrote it, who was a writer previously, who I had a lot of respect for, and now I don't. <laughs> he wrote this big, long piece about how Russell Westbrook has changed his game and how it's the most talented team he's ever led. And it's like, first of all, he's led two teams exactly. And last year, the second-best player was Victor Oladipo. And this year, the second-best player is Paul George. So obviously, it's the most talented team he's ever led. So that's like a dumb premise to begin with. Yeah. Like, this team is not more talented than the teams with Kevin Durant and Serge Ibaka. Get yeah. the fuck out of town. I mean, please. one year they went to the finals, <laughs> and another year they were one game away from yeah, being the Yeah, they should Warriors. have had Westbrook not choked his ass off two games in a row against the Warriors. Yeah. So, um, let's, let's bump the fucking brakes on that. But secondly, like, they were writing this glowing article about how he's doing all these adjustments. Granted, Westbrook is averaging 11 points less per game this season. He's only averaging 19 points per game. But they're 4-4, four and four, and they've lost to the Timberwolves twice already. How do you write a glowing piece about how this team is, like, a contender and all this? They're in 11th place in the Western Conference right now. I just don't get the timing. Wait until they start to win to write your puff piece about Westbrook changing his ways and leading the Thunder to the promised land. They have a worse record than the Pelicans. (laughs) Yeah, I think where they will end up is somewhere in between what they are now and what Charks put them at because, like, I don't think that they're, like, they're, I don't think they're a truly legitimate championship contender, but I think they're right outside of it. Yeah, and I, I think also they'll finish third or fourth, but yeah, and I mean they're still they're still they're still gelling, they're still putting it together. Yeah, Russell Westbrook is not averaging nearly as many points per game. He's averaging more assists, um, and I mean they still. I mean, they still need to put the pieces together. Carmelo Anthony has played pretty well, but th- this has kind of come. Not at Paul George's expense, but it feels like the priority to start the year was getting Carmelo Anthony more acclimated. Which seems dumb to me. I think that, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I really, I could understand the logic of it because, like, kind of, I would kind of use that as a pitch for Paul George to come back next summer as in, look... Like, yeah, like, things weren't... You were playing pretty well at the at the start of the year, but then, like, if they were to shift the focus and make, hit and make like, the second half of the year, like, more about acclimating him into the roster, it could be, like, see how you progressed over the course of the year with the team. Like, it'll only get better from here, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, so, these are the teams that they've beaten so far. They beat the Knicks on opening night. Yeah. They beat the Pacers... They beat the Bulls, and they beat the Bucks, And they've lost to the Celtics, Timberwolves twice, and the Jazz. So the four good teams that they played against, they've lost to. And the four okay to bad teams they played against, they've beaten. So I just, I don't understand the notion of getting carried away with articles like this. There's a, it's a really long season. Save this article for when they're good. Yeah. They're not good right now. They yeah. play the Blazers tonight, and if they lose, like, you've written this article and you just look dumb as fuck. Writing an article about a 4-5 and five team that's lost to every playoff team they've played. Yeah. So, I don't really... I mean, this is another, theme, another team that we just have to... I mean, they're... They have to get better. I mean, that's there. There's too much. There's too much talent to continue being 500. So yeah. I can only assume that they'll be better. But I guess the question is, how much better can they be? And we just have to sit back and watch. 
Yeah, we have one more thing we want to talk about today. I just want to briefly, for like two minutes, I don't even want to talk about it really. I just want John to put a two-minute timer on and just let me panic a little bit about James Harden. Keeping in mind that the Rockets have the second-best record in the league and the overall best record in the Western Conference via tiebreaker because they beat the Warriors. Are we ready for the timer? Yeah, let me know when you want me to start. (laughs) Go ahead and start the timer. Okay. James Harden fucking sucks. (laughs) So... James Harden's points are down. His shots are up. All of his shooting percentages are down. 2.3 point overall free throw. His free throws are way down. His rebounds are way down. His assists are way down. His three-point attempts are way up. He's the, the Rockets as a whole are taking like 45 to 50 threes every single night. It's insane. The other day he had nine three-point attempts in the first half. He's not going to the rim anymore, and it's because of the new rule that the NBA instated about not seeking contact. It doesn't count as a shooting foul anymore. But a lot of referees are overcorrecting, especially when it comes to Harden, and they're just not giving him any foul calls anymore. Like, he's getting hacked every time he goes to the basket, and he's hardly ever getting foul calls. So instead of adapting in some other way, he's just jacking up three-pointers like everyone else on the team. The other night when we lost to the 76ers, he had fucking TJ McConnell on him. And instead of taking TJ McConnell to the hoop, he took a step back three-pointer twice in that game with TJ McConnell guarding him. You're supposed to be like the the best dribble and drive player in the NBA. And you have TJ McConnell, the guy who was like almost clowned out of the league. And you're taking step back three-pointers. What the fuck? That's all I have to say about it. Did I finish in two minutes? Yeah, you you still had 25 seconds. Yeah, I don't need the 25 seconds. (laughs) The Rockets are fine. Chris Paul is supposed to come back in like the next two weeks, but the referees are being bitches. <laughs> I'll have to watch more Rockets games <laughs> and verify that because some part of me tells me you're just salty, but <laughs> I'll have to verify. I don't verify. know why I'm salty. I mean, we have the best record in the league. I don't count the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna be bad. And I mean, TJ McConnell has so much grit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's so gritty. He really that is. That team has a lot of grit, man. They have Dario Sarge. He's gritty. They have JJ Redick. He's gritty. Do you have any other gritty players? <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, wait, who? Who's on the? T- or oh, no, no, it's not. For some reason, that made me think of Joel Embiid's nickname for their young players. It's the Feds <laughs> for Fultz, Embiid, Dario, and Simmons. <laughs> I love Joel Embiid, but that's that's dumb. <laughs> um, I think it's funny. So, follow us on Twitter. Buy a t-shirt. Uh, John, you got any closing thoughts? Uh, I mean, this is just an awkward point of the year where we just have to just watch and see. I mean, maybe, hopefully, by next week, there's enough that there's enough that has gone on to like start looking at trends, but. At this point, it's just a lot of wonkiness. Yeah, and I guarantee you, because I talk so much shit about the Thunder, that they'll be seven and four during the next podcast. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but that's how that's how quickly things can swing at this point in the season. Three games, you win three games in a row, you jump like fifteen spots in the standings. Yeah. So, uh, we don't know anything. I definitely don't know what I'm talking about. Like, everything <laughs> that I've said so far this season has been proven wrong. Especially the Chris Stapps thing. That's why I'm the stupid motherfucker of the week. Um, If you have stupid stupid motherfucker of the week nominations for us during the week, please let us know. (laughs) Yeah, so that just about does it for us. Check us out on Twitter. Check out our shirt. Check out our website. 
continue to send us questions, and we'll see y'all later. This has been Barbacoa Big Red Basketball. Chuck it.